0: Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey.
1: Hello, it's Paul Byron by the Vancouver
2: Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades.
1: I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam
2: here. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from King USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the i mannheim
3: This is Alexis Lafrenière of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior.
0: They were the best in the QMJHL, and now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions.
3: The World Juniors. Time
0: The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to
1: select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes.
0: And more.
1: Unbelievable.
0: Wow. That's incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. All right. Well, good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Fleming. Thanks for uh, downloading this particular episode. If you're a newcomer to the program, then welcome to the show. If you're a a returning listener, well, thank you very much for coming back for more. Last week I mentioned that uh, wherever you get your uh, copy of the Pipeline Show, if there's a way to leave uh, a rating or a comment or something like that, I would appreciate if you would do that, uh, whether that's iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your Podcast from that way it'll help uh, new people who just stumble across the show maybe it'll interest them to hear that uh, you enjoyed the show and that you gave it a good rating as always we start with the question of the day which i put up on twitter just a few moments ago so not a lot of activity on it just yet but uh, the votes are starting to come in it is a poll question and uh, with the ncaa hockey season getting underway this weekend uh, i put this question out the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs are going for the ultra-rare 3 Pete as national champions, so yes or no question, do they do it? Yes or no, and uh, so far no is leading the uh, vote get, but uh, as I mentioned very, very early on, uh, but 67% uh, are picking no thus far. I'm going to say yes, and maybe that's just because uh, I'm cheering for the story, but There are juniors on that team who know nothing except winning national championships. And until you dethrone the king, they are still the king. So uh, right now I'm going to say Duluth wins the national championship for a third consecutive year. It hasn't happened since the 50s, and it's only happened the one time. I believe it was the Michigan Wolverines who uh, pulled off the feat originally. Uh, You can vote on that poll. At TPS underscore Guy is where you find the question. That's uh, also where you find me on Twitter, and if you enjoy The Pipeline Show, then you might as well give me a follow, as uh, most of what I talk about on Twitter is uh, basically content for the show. A quick thank you to everyone who has signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the Pipeline Show. A couple of bucks a month is all it takes, and you can get early access to all the interviews that you're going to hear on this uh, full episode of The Pipeline Show. A couple of the interviews that I did, uh, the first two segments you're going to hear today, i did on monday or tuesday so they've been available to patrons for like three days Uh, the other two i did uh, just yesterday uh but still they were up uh, before this uh, episode has been available to download so if you want to get early access to uh, segments of the show patreon.com slash the pipeline show is the place to go let's start off with the uh, news and notes now and uh, we'll go through the whl and the uh the standings right now, the Portland Winterhawks, the only team in the uh, WHL with an unblemished record. They've only played three games, but they are 3-0. and Their next game will be against the Lethbridge Hurricanes. When it comes to points, there's a number of teams who are tied with uh, seven points. Uh, that would be Kelowna, Calgary, Prince Albert, Winnipeg. They all have uh, seven points, but again, most of them have played uh, four or five games. So a little bit different there. In terms simply of uh, winning percentages, uh, Prince Albert and Calgary at 875, uh, they would be the next two teams behind the uh, perfect uh, Portland Winterhawks. Interesting uh, piece on Twitter uh, posted by Chris Wall, who is the uh, host of uh, Vancouver Giants uh, broadcast on uh, Sportsnet 650. He tweeted out uh, this morning on Friday that he's hearing the WHL Giants have solved or will solve their 20-year-old situation Today, the uh, Giants right now, as we're speaking, and this could be you know wrapped up by the time this uh, what I'm saying right now is available to the public. So it might be old news, but right now they have four players: Owen Hardy, Milos Roman, Dylan Ploof, and a net miner David Tendek as their four overage players. And everybody is expecting uh, Tendek would be the guy on the way out, as they do have Trent Miner and Braden Yerby. So I guess the David Tendek watch is on for today, unless there's a surprise and it, and uh, it ends up being somebody else. The offensive leaders right now in the WHL: Oren Santazo leads the league in scoring with uh, ten points. Ryder Korzak and Connor Zeri have nine. Uh, Santazo and Zeri play for the Kamloops Blazers. Ryder Korzak with the Moose Jaw Warriors. There are eight games on tap in the WHL tonight on Friday. Vancouver's in Brandon, Portland travels to Lethbridge. Prince Albert welcomes Saskatoon. Prince George hosting the Kelowna Rockets. Medicine Hat is in Regina, Seattle. It travels to Spokane. Red Deer down to Swift Current, and the Edmonton Oil Kings are on the road. They will play the Winnipeg Ice. That is all, all the games are on Friday. Uh, there are eight more games on Saturday and four games on Sunday. Let's go to the Ontario Hockey League now and uh, there are is only one uh, there excuse me there are two teams in the OHL with uh, perfect records. the Oshawa generals are four and zero, as are the Sioux Greyhounds and the Greyhounds. they've got 23 goals four and only 13 against uh, so they are up to their old tricks. A very powerful offensive uh, force are the Greyhounds but leading the league in scoring is a uh, Quinton Byfield. he has 12 points. Uh, through the first five games of the year uh, for the Sudbury Wolves. Ilya Solyov of the Saginaw Spirit also has uh, 12 points after the Saginaw's uh, game on uh, Thursday, which was a 5-4 win over the Niagara Ice Dogs. That one in Niagara. So impressive win there for Saginaw. Heading east in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, there is no perfect team uh, left anymore. The closest would be, Be uh, both Rimouski and Charlottetown, who have uh, 4-0-1 records in their first five games. Vincent Marlowe of the Roy Naranda Huskies has uh, 13 points to lead the league, but uh, he is sharing that lead with a Mr. Alexi Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic, also with 13 points, at least three players with 11 points uh, hot on their heels including Igor Sokolov of the uh, Cape Breton Eagles. The CHL Top 10 that came out on Wednesday has the Ottawa 67s uh, holding down the number one spot uh, for a second week in a row. They have a record of 3-1. and one. Shikudimi, who is 3-0-1, oh, they are still number two. Then there are six teams who move up the ranking. Sherbrooke goes from five to number three. They are 4-0-1. Oh, the Portland Winterhawks, who were unranked last week, they come in at number four. Cape Breton also unranked last week. They're number five with a four and O record. The Sioux Greyhounds also four and O, as are the Oshawa Generals four and O, and neither one of those teams were ranked last week. They go to six and seven respectively. The London Knights move up a spot from number nine to number eight. They're two and two, so they've won two in a row after starting 0 and two. The Edmonton Oil Kings drop from four to nine. And unless things uh, turn around for them this weekend, uh, they have probably drop out of the uh, top 10 as uh, they are now winless in their last three, losing two of those in overtime. The Vancouver Giants fall from number six to number 10. They are three and two. Uh, switching gears in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, the Sherwood Park Crusaders have the top two scorers in the league, Arjun Atwal and uh, Carter Savoy. Uh, Atwal has 18 points, Savoy has 17 and Carter Savoy was named Player of the Week uh, for the uh, Sherwood Park Crusaders. Two perfect teams left in the HHL, Sherwood Park being one of them. They're 7-0, and and the Brooks Bandits are 6-0 and to begin the year. Spruce Grove has uh, lost just the one game. They are 7-1. and uh, Don't sleep on Bonneville, though. They're still in the mix, 6-1-1 with 13 points. They're one point back of... Sherwood Park, and uh, Spruce Grove for top spot. Saints have played one more game than uh, than the crew. In Canada West play in U uh, sport hockey, the uh, Alberta Golden Bears, uh, the Calgary Dinos, and uh, Mount Royal, the Cougars, sweeping their way to victory at last weekend. So they're both, all three of those clubs are uh, 2-0 to begin the year. Alberta, number one ranked in uh, all of U sport hockey as the top 10 it just came out earlier this week. Now, Canada West takes a uh, break from a conference play as uh, a number of the teams are heading south and uh, playing some exhibition games against NCAA opponents as the NCAA season gets going this weekend uh, for a number of teams. But uh, a bunch of them will be playing those exhibition games against uh, their U sport uh, counterparts. Number seven, Providence will play Maine in Hockey East. Some non-conference games, uh, Boston University plays Union, Alabama-Huntsville, Goes to UMass Lowell. Colgate will uh, sharpen and uh, brush their teeth with uh, RIT. Merrimack plays Lake Superior. Robert Morris hosting Michigan Tech. Sacred Heart in Connecticut will play. The number 20 ranked Arizona State Sun Devils welcome Mercyhurst to Oceanside Ice Arena in Tempe, Arizona. The aptly named Oceanside Ice Arena. Uh, Alaska welcomes... Number two-ranked Denver Pioneers, uh, that one up in Alaska. Uh, here are some of those exhibition games you're going to see this weekend. Uh, notably, Alberta, the number one-ranked team in a U-sport, taking on Minnesota Duluth, the number one-ranked team, to start the NCAA season. So that could be an interesting game, although everybody's going to be treating it like you know preseason, basically. So I would expect all three goalies, maybe, for Duluth to be playing. and uh, We'll see. We'll kind of line up uh, Alberta dresses as well, but uh, should be a fun competitive game. Manitoba always plays North Dakota at this time of year, and they do so on Saturday. Uh, Nate, the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology here in Edmonton, they are actually traveling down to uh, Kalamazoo to take on the University of Western Michigan. Guelph will play Vermont. Holy Cross will take on Simon Fraser. Uh, number 10 Clarkson is going to take on uh, Royal... Military RMC Trinity Western will play Colorado College, Brock will play RPI, Ryerson's going to square off against Niagara. UNB will play Boston College on Saturday. That could be a good game as well. And uh, Mount Royal is going to take on the number 3 ranked Minnesota State Mavericks. Uh, some more games on Sunday, uh, more exhibition as well. Alberta is going to play uh, St. Cloud on Sunday, so they're going to play Minnesota Duluth on Saturday then travel to st cloud for a game on sunday manitoba is going to play nebraska omaha on monday so all the college teams uh, on both sides of the border will be getting in action this weekend so lots of hockey to look forward to of the post-secondary variety all right let's get to uh, what's coming down the pipe on the show today we're going to have uh, four guests on the program we're going to start with a uh A recap of the USHL Fall Classic, and basically that turns into a season preview for the United States Hockey League. Ryan Wagman of McKean's Hockey is my guest. He was in Pittsburgh taking in that event. From there, we'll go with a uh, preview of the upcoming uh, NCAA season for the NCHC Conference. That's the the conference that uh, Minnesota Duluth uh, calls home, and in fact, the last three national champions have come from the NCHC. Denver, you've got... uh, Uh, Western Michigan, North Dakota, Colorado College, all in that conference, St. Cloud State. So we'll talk to Brad Elliott Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald about that conference and how things are shaping up there. We're going to turn on the 2020 draft spotlight. First time this season uh, in season 15 of the Pipeline show that we're going to turn on the draft spotlight. We're going to go to the OHL Quinton Byfield of the Sudbury Wolves leading the league in scoring right now and leading the way on the Pipeline Show this year for the Draft Spotlight segment. And we'll close things off with an in-the-dub segment. Perry Bergson writes for the Brandon Sun. He is going to update us on uh, both teams in Manitoba with the Brandon Weekings and the Winnipeg Ice. So lots to get to. We are going to start it off with uh, Ryan Wagman from McKean's Hockey with a preview of the USHL. That's up first here on the Pipeline Show.
4: Hey, this is Brock Bester from the Waterloo
5: Blackhawks.
0: Hey, it's Kyle Connor from the Youngstown fans. I'm Gary Jansons from the View of Flying
2: Hi, it's Ellie Tolman from Sioux City Musketeers.
5: Hi, this is Ryan Petolny, former player
3: with the Lincoln Stars. This is Cooper Marodi from the Sioux Falls Stampede. Blake McLaughlin from the
1: Chicago Steel.
0: Hey, this is Sam Gagne, formerly the Sioux City Musketeers of the USHL. Hey, I'm Wade Alex from the Tri-City Storm. Hi, this is Tom Gilbert, former Chicago Steel player. Jack Jury from the Waterloo Blackhawks. It's Casey Middlestaff from the Green Bay Gamblers, and you're listening to The Pipeline Show.
2: There's no time for mistakes cause it's away Even though it
1: might be easier I won't give in now. Is...
2: From the organization that brought you Mark Messier, Matt Benning, and Ian Mitchell, Spruce Grove Saints Junior A-Hockey is officially back for the 2019-2020 season with all the action taking place at the grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. With tickets starting at just $15 per person, AJHL Hockey provides some quality entertainment. For more information, visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca.
3: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
0: I think I'm doing okay for a 15-year-old with a wife and a baby. Back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We'll kick things off in fine style this week as we're going to uh, look ahead to the coming season for the United States Hockey League. I guess it's officially underway now that the uh, Fall Classic uh, in Pittsburgh is uh, in the books. And the guy who was out there watching it firsthand, Ryan Wagman from McKean's. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show. Ryan, how are you? Great, Guy. Thanks for having me on. I oh, appreciate it. and uh, I know you were out in Pittsburgh, so you were able to take in a bunch of games in a very short period of time. Biggest highlight, uh, maybe, uh, when you look back at uh, the all the games that you saw, was there one thing that immediately jumps to mind when you look back at that, uh, that weekend? It's a good
3: question. I, I think, looking at it, the thing that stuck with me, I guess, most consistently throughout the various games was that there are a lot of really good goalies this year. I mean, you know traditionally the USHL had been a, a league that had been better for goalies because a lot of young goalies say the CHL they didn't you know often uh, become starters until after their draft year, whereas in the USHL they were more likely to. But in the last few years, it was um, it had gone down a little bit. And last year was a little bit weaker because the CHL had started to um, allow European goalies to play in the league again, mm-hmm. and so the quality of the net mining last year was a little bit down, not counting Spencer Knight, of course. Uh, whereas this year, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there were five goalies who were already drafted playing in the USHL, and I, I saw a couple more that looked to be uh, interesting uh, follows for the season to
0: come. Well, interesting then uh, that there's uh, there's some already drafted goalies. I know uh, Dominic Bessie, one of them that uh, comes to mind, didn't uh, his stats line doesn't look great. I know his team lost six five, uh, and he was uh, yeah, he didn't look a- very good either. Yeah, no, that's unfortunate uh, for Chicago Blackhawk fans.
3: Well, it's only one game. I wouldn't, you know, I'm I'm not going to rush a judgment on him just yet off of one game, really on anybody off of one game, especially somebody like Bessie, who, you know, I think he's jumping basically two levels from, from last year to this year. Mm -hmm. I give him a little bit more time. That said though, one of the most interesting um, draft eligible goalies I saw uh, last weekend was the guy that Bessie will be competing with um, for the the crease in Youngstown and um, Colin Purcell, Uh, Purcell, who's gigantic. And he's, he was a bit more stable. Bessie was, a little bit all over the place and again it's one game and i'm not going to say you know he's a bust off of one game but he's certain of the five um that that i saw of the drafted goalies he was definitely number five as far as the first impression goes uh
0: i know another one would be akira schmid who was drafted i want to say it was new jersey uh, started last year off mm-hmm. up here in the whl with lethbridge they released him after a, a terrible training camp uh, but Went down and, and actually had a pretty decent season last year in Omaha, and he's he's back for another season with the uh, with the Lancers.
3: Absolutely, he was. Um, you know, he was kind of a bit more stable. He's ready for this league. I don't know. It seems to me that Lethbridge maybe made a mistake in dropping him so quickly because, if I'm not mistaken, he only played I think one game for them in the um, in the regular season. And yes, it was not a good game. But um, you know, sometimes it takes a goalie, especially a big goalie, a little bit of time to kind of get used to things, especially say. The size of the rinks in North America, where compared to where you know he'd been playing in Switzerland prior to that, but he's got he's big, he's got quick feet, a sturdy glove hand. Um, you know, he had a good game against Madison uh, in, in the one game he played this weekend, and and so yeah, he's going to be another um, you know another top goalie for the for the league, and he's going to definitely be a key player in, in Omaha's chances this season.
0: All right. Well, I, usually we would go with a, a season preview. We'd uh, we'd go team by team, but maybe we'll go by position. And our who are some of the other top goalies out of the USHL that you're expecting at least to be top goalies in the league this year
2: so
3: uh, I mentioned Purcell who, yep. who was really impressive in the game that I saw him but the one guy who really stuck out to me and like, I have his image kind of branded in my brain right now is uh, Shamil Shmakov um, from Cedar Rapids uh, he was drafted by Colorado I think uh, two years ago and he is really like I mean you know it's here Schmidt's big and Colin Purcell's big but compared to Schmackov, they're kind of small. Schmackov is <laughs> is is a huge, um, and you know he's all limbs. He kind of reminds me of of I remember f- thinking similar things of Keith Petrozelli a few years back. Um, but he is I'm trying to find his uh, his listed size. He's listed at six foot eight,
0: yeah,
3: and just under two hundred pounds. He looks like a giant spider. He kind of like projects out from his crease. He you know aggressive attacks the shooter, and he leaves very little room to uh, to shoot on when he comes out. I think the only way you're going to be able to beat him regularly is by, you know, getting like in tight cross crease passes to get him to open up the five hole while he moves across. But he's got, I mean, when he's set, you can't beat him down low. There's no room at all. Um, And there's not much room up high either, but he was, he was just really impressive. I like the aggressiveness. Uh, He did make some weird uh, decisions when he tried to play the puck, but again, I'm not going to look at that too much yet. Uh, You know, again, the, the size of the rink may be, Throwing him off a little bit so far. I know my uh, associate in Russia was saying, you know, he did have an issue with consistency in Russia, and if he's kind of over that, he looked. He was just really he was fun to
0: watch. Uh, it's a massive uh, guy in between the pipes for sure. Um, uh, replacing mm-hmm. Spencer Knight with Team USA, I guess there's a couple of guys with Drew commesso and uh, Noah Grannon. Uh, both of them, uh, I believe, picked up wins uh, during the Fall Classic. Uh, what do you expect? Uh, yes. is, is this going to be a platoon situation or? Is one guy clearly the starter there?
3: I think it's going to be a – like last year, I mean, even with Spencer Knight, it was almost completely a platoon situation. If you look throughout the regular season, and, you know, this does not uh, get into the under-18s, I'm pretty sure by then they'll pick somebody, but through the course of the regular season, they were almost, you know, one game in, one game out between Knight and uh, Cameron Rowe. Um, You know, this year in the first two weeks, as you said, uh, both goalies played a game – you know, I didn't get to see the second game, and Camiso uh, pitched a shutout against um, Sioux City, but uh, Granon looked fine uh, in the game that I that I saw him in. Um, reports that I heard from the game two, though, Camiso might be have a slight edge, I guess, uh, at least early on. Um, but I, you know, the other thing I had heard that is that um, Team USA, when it comes to the international events. It wouldn't be surprising to see them recruit a goalie who's not currently in the program to uh, to play for them, whether it's somebody who's playing in another team in the USHL or calling up somebody from the under-17s. But I think both goalies are had a decent start. However, you know it's fair to say that last year with the under-17s, neither of them really stood out. Hmm. So I wouldn't say that they're a settled uh, situation there in either case.
0: All right, well, sticking with Team USA, unless is there another goaltender that you think uh, we should give a shout-out to uh, early on here?
3: Well, um, you know, there's just a few more drafted goalies. So it's worth mentioning that, uh, you know, if you're a fan of a team, uh, Jersey actually has two drafted goalies in the league. In addition to uh, Schmidt, there's Cole Brady, who they drafted out of the North American Hockey League last year. And he is playing for, I just...
0: Fargo, yeah.
3: I just forgot. Yes. And he, uh, his first game, thank you, he looked good in the first game. I saw him the second game, he was beat a couple of times. But Fargo has a good defensive team, so his numbers should be good. And I, I think his play is good enough that um, you know he's definitely worth watching. There's uh, Ethan Hader, uh, yeah. if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, he was drafted by Nashville. Um, his first game was okay. Um, you know he was he he does go into the um, drops into the uh, the butterfly a little bit too quick. So if you wait on him, um, you could beat him high. And um, you know I, I, I sorry I didn't mention uh, his team, but he is um, uh, he's in Sioux City. Yeah, yeah, so I saw him play against Chicago in the first game. Again, you know, most of the time he looked good, but he was a, beaten a few times by really hard uh, kind of top corner shots when he dropped into the, to the butterfly really quick. Um, and uh, did I think I mentioned all of them, didn't I? Oh, yeah, sorry, Eric Portillo uh, with Dubuque. He is somebody I'm really interested in seeing. I, I didn't manage to see his first game. Uh, he, they finished their, their first game. The one he played in was a 10 a.m. game on the Thursday, and I only got in time for the second game um but he's gigantic our our Swedish reporter really loved him last year and he's somebody who I think is, is key to Dubuque's chances this season but uh, from what i heard this first game he did look really good and um you know based on the i guess the the um the word on him in advance is good so i, I think you know it's going to be it's going to be a hard year for shooters this year
0: Ryan Wagman from McKean's my guest here on the Pipeline show we're looking ahead to the uh, this USHL season um, when I'm looking at the uh, the 2018 draft results and you see the U.S. Uh, the development program dominated through the first round, I mean, that was such a remarkable squad last year. Uh, this year seems to be a much more normal, maybe even below average uh, uh, development team, the U18 squad this year. How would you describe that group? Certainly a, a tough act to follow and would be unfair to expect them to have, you know, what did they have, eight guys in the first round last year?
3: I think so. Yeah. It was last year's team was unbelievable. I mean, you know, up and down the lineup, I think if I'm not mistaken, everybody except for two draft eligible players were drafted. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I I was actually surprised at least that one of them didn't get drafted, but it was a fantastic year. The fantastic squad they had last year, this year's team, there is talent. You know, I wasn't necessarily expecting, um, anything like what they had last year, but I was pleasantly surprised by what I saw in their, in the first game of theirs, uh, this year um, you know, we, we talked about the goalies, uh, but I should mention that I, my opinion, the top player on this year's team is actually somebody who's not eligible until 2021, uh, Matthew Benyers, hmm. who was called up last year from the 17th to the 18th late in the year. And, you know, by the under 18 turn by the world under 18s he was already a, like a top player. Um, he's really, really, really talented, but he's a November birthday. So he's not going to be eligible until 2021. Um, beyond him, Hunter, there's only one other player though, who is a late birthday. So most of the rest of the team will be firmly in the crosshairs of scouts this year. Um, some of the guys who stuck out early uh, now, Tyson Milanich had a lot of early press, but he didn't play in the weekend. I, I don't know if he was hurt or, or for what the reason was,
1: because yeah. he didn't announce
3: uh, scratches, but he didn't play. So I, I can't comment on him yet, but I will say, um, you know, I, I was impressed by, um, ah, I'm looking at the roster, even Powell, uh, defenseman who seems to be kind of a, a guy who likes to attack, likes to carry the puck, join the rush. I think he'll need to shore up his defensive play and, and, you know, he does get back. It's not like he ignores that side. I think he, if he can shore up his defensive play a little bit because he is kind of on the smaller side, he could be one of the, uh, more exciting players on the team, uh, that I saw. Um, I liked what I saw from Hunter McCown. Uh, he was kind of used in the fourth line, but he's got really good hands. And he's a very good skater. Um, you know, uh, Landon Slaggard, who I believe is Graham Slaggard's brother, uh, played, he's a bit of a agitator, uh, with some talent. Um, he was impressive. Uh, there, there are a lot of good players and I do think a lot of them will be drafted. I just don't know that I'm pretty sure we're not going to see eight of them in the first round. You know, in fact, we might see closer to what we've seen in the previous years where you have two or three guys going in the first round and then the, the rest of the squad gets picked up uh later on i should also mention i don't think i mentioned luke tuck also on the team alex tucks younger brother plays a very similar game to alex tuck big boy good hands physical tough uh i, I think he's going to be he, he has a good chance of being one of the higher guys drafted from this squad
0: yeah leading them in scoring after the uh the fall classic with five points in two games and i was going to ask if there was a a relation there a uh, much younger brother than uh, than Alex Tech. All right. Uh, outside of the program, um, who's the uh, the odds-on favorite right now in your mind to to be the top team in the USHL this year?
3: So I look at I think three teams that to me stuck out as at least having you know again it's a small sample size and one game can be uh, it could not be necessarily indicative of what you're going to see the rest of the year. But over a two-game sample, the three teams that look to me to have the most depth and skill up and down the roster were Cedar Rapids, Chicago. In Waterloo Mm -hmm. Um, you know other teams have a lot of good things as well to recommend them Um, but those three I thought up and down had both the the skill to score and and the um, the strength in the back to stop the other team from scoring to be uh, you know big contenders Uh, you know Cedar Rapids uh, most particularly I thought it was they were led by their blue line Uh, They have, you know, in addition, well, the Schmackoff isn't that, but in addition to them, the next line of defense was also just really, really strong guys like uh, Will Francis, who was drafted last year by um, Anaheim. Uh, He's he's huge. Uh, And I guess he needs another year here before he goes to Minnesota Duluth. But there were a few guys who were draft eligible who also impressed me in terms of their, their blue line, uh, whether it's first-year eligible players like Alex Gagne and Bennett Smolek or second-year eligibles like Ben Meehan who really impressed me. He's a UMass Lowell recruit. And uh, Jack Miller, they have a big blue line. They're mobile. Uh, they're young. Uh, I, I think they're going to be tough to, to beat. Uh, and I was also impressed by a uh, forward, who I believe it's his first year in the USHL. Named uh and I'm probably totally mispronouncing his name, but Justin Rakolian, uh, okay. from Montreal. He's a northeastern commit. Really good. Just he was kind of the type of player who's, you know, everywhere at once. He's always in every positive um scoring chance. He's directly involved. Um so I think they're gonna be fun to watch.
0: Grant Silianov, who had forty one points last year, I don't think he went I don't think he got drafted, did he, for Cedar Rapids?
3: No, he was not. And actually if you look back, he was one of the top in his draft year uh, for the for USHL, he was one of the top picks in the draft. He was—he's he's not a bad player. I don't have anything against him. He just doesn't have any one um, skill that has him kind of stick out uh, towards anybody else. You know, we thought he could be drafted, but when he wasn't, it wasn't totally surprising. If he—if he does have a, a stronger year, if he's more assertive offensively, um, you know, he could be drafted in the second year of eligibility. Although I didn't see that at least uh, last weekend.
0: Okay, fair enough. You were going to continue on. Uh, was it with Chicago? With Chicago
3: Steel, yes. Yeah. So, they're an interesting team. They have a lot of sons of playing for them as well. Um, Jim Dow Jr., uh, former, the father played for the Devils. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Doan, Shane Doan's son, plays for them. Brendan Brisson, uh, the son of the agent Pat Brisson is there. Right. Um, they're, they're a really interesting team as well. Uh, they're also, you know, a lot, they get a lot of notoriety for their association with Daryl Belfry, uh, who w- works on skills with them. Uh, and, and you can kind of see it in their play. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, talking about uh, Ethan Hayter, how he was beat, you know, he kind of, the shooter waited a little bit, he went down, and the, the shooter went high on him a few times, that was Chicago who did that, and that's something I could, you know, they uh, a lot of the things that I know Belfry is known for is kind of um, shot selection, and you can kind of see it in the way they still play, it's a very, they play a high-tempo game, there's a lot of skill up and down the roster, you know, I mentioned three players, but you know, guys like uh, Matthew Smuskevich, or he's known as Mackie, Sean Farrell, who played with the under-18s last year in a more of a depth role. Uh, he was a late birthday, so he's still in the USHL. He'll be draft eligible this year, and he's got a lot of talent to him. Uh, Brisson is um, is going to, it's his first year of eligibility, too, so he's going to be somebody to watch. Um, they just have a lot of talent. This year, I think they have better goaltending than they had in the past. Uh, a Swedish uh, goalie named Victor Ostman and a goalie out of California named Ian Shane both look good on the weekend. They could be a team to watch. And also, somebody to pay attention to on the Steelers roster is another um, a 2021 draft eligible defenseman named Owen Power. Uh, he's, uh, from the Toronto area, um, gigantic, like six, five great hockey name. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime your last name is power, it's a, it's a good name for, for the game. But, um, he, you know, the beginning of last year, he was very young. He looked a little bit like a deer in the headlights, but by the end of the year, he was a dominant force. And I think this year he's going to be even better. I think that he's not draft eligible to 2021 it is, uh, it's gotta be exciting for the USHL and for the steel fans. Um, and I'd be remiss not mentioning Gunnar Wolf Fontaine, who also has yep. just a really fun name. Yeah, and he's a fun player to watch. You know, he's not big. I think he could have been drafted. He could have been drafted last year, um, but you know, he wasn't. He's not. You know, he doesn't have any great tools, but he's a bit of an agitator. And you know, he, as he showed at least, like he could pick it. He's got a shot. Um, so he's just fun to watch. So, and um, I guess that that you know, the Steel and Cedar Rapids will probably be uh, duking it out for the um, the top team in the Eastern Conference
0: for sure. Uh, how's uh, gunner wolf fontaine skating
3: um not exceptional but he's i'd say average for the league um you know he's he's only listed about five foot nine yeah. uh in the 160s uh so he's not big His skating it's never stuck out to me and said that you know he's uh he, he's a blazer but you know he, he keeps up he gets where he needs to go um he's not gonna be leading the rush or anything like that with regularity but
0: He's not a bad skater. Okay, I was wondering if there was a bit of a, you know, Trey Fix Wolanski. I don't know how, how familiar familiar are with uh, with him, but you know, not a tall guy, but skating was an asset for him. And you know, they both have the offensive mm. side side to their game. But uh, if uh, if you're small and just an average skater, uh, that could be uh, a difficult thing for Fontaine. Uh, the the last team that you're uh, speaking highly of was Waterloo. Uh, what what stands out about the Blackhawks for you?
3: Well, Waterloo is also a team that's always got a lot of depth up and down the roster. Um, like Chicago with Sean Farrell, they also have a guy who played with the under-18s last year who was um, had a late birthday in uh, Ryder Rolston, who I'm almost positive is uh, Brian Rolston's son. Right. Um, and he plays a lot like his father. You know, he's a great skater. Um, he, he's a good kind of two-way presence. Um, but he's not really even the most exciting guy on that team in my mind. I mean, there's guys like... Um, Wyatt Shingotha. I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. Uh, Dane Montgomery. There's a lot of young draft eligible talent there. Uh, the goaltending, uh, they used a guy actually out of the Ottawa area for the weekend named uh, Gabriel Carrier, who I believe was playing a junior A in Ontario last year, who looked pretty solid, steady, not not uh, you know a world beater in that, but uh, a very kind of a reliable presence. Um, there's just a lot of youth. Uh, so there's some good size. There's a, a Czech forward named Andre Seneca big six foot six power forward uh does a lot you know the team game is you know i mean well like you can expect under a coach like T k o hanley they do a lot of things well um you know and I just, I just see like a team that it might not have one player who's going to rise up above everybody else and 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 you know be on the tips of everybody's tongue this is not a, a league or a, you know this is not a team that has somebody like a bobby brink or a Igor have a Robert Master Simone like last year in fact I don't know if the league has a player like that yet this year but as a team that their overall team game was just, it was just strong um you know both they they could you know uh force the play on on offense and they could shut things down on defense um and the west in general was maybe a little bit I don't want to say weaker yet but didn't spark as much as some of the teams in the east did over the weekend with the exception of Waterloo so they i think have an early leg up uh on the league
0: all right uh ryan uh, when you look at the rest of the league uh, who are some of the standouts you expect from a you know who are among the scoring leaders and uh, obviously keeping an eye on the the draft eligible guys uh, other players uh, through the league that we should keep an eye on
3: um sure there's there's you know i think one thing that's interesting this year is that um and i was talking about this to some people uh, over the weekend the ushl is kind of a funny league you know you look at say the chl Right, and, and a lot of people are very familiar with, with the you know, with their OHL or WHL or the Quebec League. Very few players leave the league before their eligibility is up. I mean, you get maybe two players in all three leagues who leave after their first draft eligible year because they make an OHL roster. Another maybe half dozen make it after their second year. And then but really most, you know, everybody outside of the top handful of players plays through the end of their um, CHL eligibility. Where the USHL it's much different. Um, you know, up to say even half the league is, is, uh, recycled after their draft eligible year because they go to college. Uh, you know, and colleges, if you can contribute at the NCAA level, they'll take you as a true freshman. And then the guys who were there at 19 and 20 were the late bloomers or the guys who are, you know, more to say depth players. Um, the guys who are less likely to be drafted or have, uh, uh, you know, outstanding professional careers in North America, but, you know that said, you still get a lot of guys who are those late bloomers who who come up later who can um, who can contribute at this league and do well at the league, even if they're not necessarily the you know most exciting draft prospects. Uh, but I think you know watching the the league this weekend, I can see pretty much every team has some good, interesting players who are draft eligible, and even teams who have been historically weaker, like Madison, who has been almost a bottom feeder for for the last few years at least. Uh, they had some good talent I look at their team that could make some waves this year, you know, they can score. Um, I was really impressed by one draft eligible player named Carson Bantle, who they had going on their first line. And uh, you know, he's got size, he can skate, good stick, uh, good stick handler. He was playing with a Hungarian center by the name of Christoph Papp, who also impressed me much more than they did last year. Um, and he'll be in a second year of eligibility and they can, you know, they can give uh, uh Madison something to, to work with. Uh, Lincoln was also horrible last year and they have a lot of young players this year and players who can can also, you know, make some noise and make Lincoln a better team than they were. Um, Tri-City had a rough weekend, but it was mostly they couldn't finish. And whether that, I, I think there was still a lot of skill on that roster, you know, whether you're looking at players like, um, well, they had the um, uh, player drafted by at least Michael Kester, who didn't play on the weekend, but will be a very good player to watch over the course of the year, but also players like, say, Mitchell Miller on defense, who was on Cedar Rapids last year, or, um, uh, there's a big forward they had by the name of Nick Capone, um, I think that's how you pronounce it, or Nick Capone, who was also impressive. He had good speed, good, uh, just huge size, kind of a big power forward type. Um, you know, we're looking at, say, a team like Dubuque, who we talked about Eric Portillo and Nett, but they also have the, uh, the, J- the Jackson twins up front, uh, Dylan and Ty, who could have been drafted last year. And it would have been surprising if they were. They're fun to watch, but, uh, their size is getting away. There's, they have another big, uh, 20-year-old named Reese Gaber, who I don't think he's an NHL prospect, but he's excellent at the USHL level. So Dubuque could also challenge uh, you know, Cedar Rapids and Chicago in the East. Um, Fargo is not a team that has known for any one particular player or two, but they have a really good team game. They're really tough to score against and create opportunities against. Um, so I don't know if I can say they're going to be fun to watch, but they're going to be a strong team.
0: Uh, one other guy I wanted to ask you about, and, and only because Muskegon seems to find a Russian who will play a year in the league and then goes to the uh, OHL, and that's happened the last couple of years. But Daniel Gushkin is their guy this year. Do we know anything about him? I know he's draft eligible, but outside of that, did he uh, leave you with any sort of impression?
3: So Daniel Gushkin is a very good player, and I, I was you know, mistaken. I should have mentioned him a bit earlier. He is probably one of the uh, better draft eligible players in the, in the uh, circuit this year. Um, he, I, it was actually, I was a bit surprised that he didn't go to the OHL. Like, you know, as you mentioned, you know, he had guys like Svechkov or Afanasyev who had that one year with Muskegon and they left. Yeah. Um, so he is still here. Uh, he is, he's small, uh, which is something that might hold him back. He's not a shooter. He's very much a playmaker more than he is a shooter. Uh, but he's very skilled with the puck. He is a, a good skater. if not an excellent skater. Um, but he is more, it's his puck skill that sets him apart. Uh, you know, he's only five foot eight, sixty five, uh, but he can lead the rush. He can, he can create some magic when he has the puck on his stick and he mm-hmm. can find teammates and make them better. Um, you know, I don't know if I, I think his size might make it more difficult for him to be a, a first round pick. Uh, but he's somebody I can definitely see going in the second or third round uh, if he can, you know, add maybe another step to his, his stride.
0: All right, excellent. Well, that's a good preview of the USHL. Unless there's anything you want to add uh, to uh, what you're expecting this year in the league, um, you know,
3: not much. I mean, it, it's it's a long season. We really just started, and I'm sure you know we get uh, two months into the year. Um, in fact, you know, I'll say put it like this: I spoke to somebody who was involved in one, with one of the teams uh, during, over the weekend, and I commented to him that his team looked good. Is, yeah, it's it's really early. You know, talk to me in January. Yeah. You know, a lot of these players are, are really young, and like I said, it's a very you know seventeen eighteen year old heavy league. Um, and a lot of these players, it takes them a few months to to really show what they have. And so, as much as we saw this weekend, we're going to know a lot more after Christmas.
0: Ryan, before I let you go, uh, what's new at McKean's?
3: Well, um, we you know recently released our the 20 uh, annual guidebook, and that you know includes not just stuff for fantasy hockey players projections and scoring and whatnot up and down the league but also our um our prospect coverage of course you know every team gets their top 20 prospects listed we uh, list our top 250 uh, prospects um you know it's uh, i think we have a lot of, as much information as we always had, pride ourselves in having and more um you know for i think it's 12.99 or 13.99 um anybody you can get a subscription to our site which will give you access to all the the draft coverage we do throughout the year um scouting reports and on most top draft eligible players but also give you access to download the uh, the guidebook um and and i I can say i guess i'm I'm proud of it you know i've been looking at it over the last week or two and it's just there's a lot of really good information about the nhl level and the i guess the underneath the nhl level the, the prospects um so there's anything any hockey fan could find something that they uh that they could appreciate from this guidebook.
0: Ryan, I know uh, most people know how to get uh, get to the website and all that, but for somebody who might be hearing this for the first time and, and uh, wants to check it out, what's the website? How do they get to it?
3: It's uh McKeenshockey.com. So that's M C K E E N S Hockey dot com. Um you know, and like I said, it, it is a subscription site, so um for twelve or thirteen ninety nine per year. Uh, you get access to everything on the site, including the download of the guidebook, the regular scheduling reports that we'll be starting within the next few weeks. Uh, and we're going to be doing a lot more coverage this year about the leagues themselves, you know the the CHL leagues, USHL, college hockey, AHL, uh, regular updates on what's going on in the top European leagues, Sweden, Finland, Russia, and more uh, previews for the you know the world juniors, the world under eighteens, um, and various other tournaments throughout the year. and so our goal really at McKe's is to make sure that every year, we do more than we did the year before to give our readers, I guess, better bang for their buck.
0: Great stuff, Ryan. As always, appreciate you making the time for the Pipeline Show. Look forward to having you on again.
3: My pleasure, Gany. Anytime. Take care.
0: Ryan Wagman from McKean's Hockey with a look ahead at the coming season for the USHL. And uh, you can share your thoughts on what he had to say. Hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore G. You can also follow uh, Ryan on Twitter as well. Just uh, you can find him at it looks like Raw Wagman, R A W A G M A N, Ryan Wagman on Twitter. How we go from previewing the USHL to previewing the NCHC, and if we're going to talk the NCHC conference, good guy again is a uh, longtime contributor here on the Pipeline Show. That's Brad Elliott Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald. He's up next here on the Pipeline Show. <laughs>
5: Minnesota Duluth gets it again.
0: Tynan goes out of there on a tripping ball. Third power play of the game for the Bulldogs. Fontaine dropped it in the middle, break pass. Conley scores! Mike Conley, power play goal! Somebody shut the door! Ladies and gentlemen, from
1: Calgary, Alberta, Mike Conley, University of Minnesota Duluth National Championships 2011,
0: and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Ah, you babes all about your Madison shoes. We got a thing we call the Madison Blues. We do the Madison
1: Blues. We do the Passion, talent,
3: development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Dylan Larkin. Larkin
0: scores! Wow, what a goal. Kevin
3: Shattenkirk. Score! James Van Riemsdyk were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing
2: compares to college hockey. Visit CollegeHockeyInc.com and follow at College Hockey.
3: Champions of the college hockey world. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming.
2: You know, I hear the camera adds ten pounds. Looks like you've eaten five cameras
0: back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to talk a little college puck now, the NCHC Conference. So, well, some teams uh, get going this weekend in exhibition play against some uh, youth sport clubs uh, from Canada, but for the most part, the uh, regular season gets going uh, the following weekend, the weekend of the 10th, 11th, 12th. Let's be joined now by Brad elias Schlossman from the Grand Forks Herald. Of course, longtime reporter covering the NCHC and, boy, it was what, the WCHA before that and well, college hockey in general. And uh, boy, Brad, you win all the awards every year, don't you? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but uh, that's that's the goal, I guess. <laughs> all right, well, let's get into the NCHC. And uh, I think we have to start at the top, don't we? I mean, the Duluth Bulldogs are uh, two-time now defending national champions, mm-hmm. going for a third this year. It's only happened once in Uh, the rest of uh, recorded time that uh, a hockey program has won three national titles in a row. And what's that, the 50s, in the 50s with Michigan?
2: Yeah, yeah, I believe that's uh, correct. So uh, it'll definitely be interesting uh, when the tournament starts this year.
0: And quite honestly, they could do it again. Are they not considered by a lot of people to be the number one team right now in the country?
2: Yeah, they were were voted uh, the number one team in the country by 49 of the 50 voters. Uh, the one outlier was me So
0: <laughs>
2: um, Is that right? You're uh, you the only that, one Who didn't vote for them? I was I was the only one Out of the 50 voters who didn't put Duluth Number one, so <laughs> uh, We'll see how the year plays out I'll either look like an idiot or I'll uh, look smart
0: uh, Alright, well we're going to talk about um, Duluth First, but just out of curiosity yep. who, who was your number one pick? Uh,
2: I had Minnesota State Mankato So, i um, a little outside the box And and the reason why is when I look at Duluth's roster, uh, you have Hunter Shepard in goal, uh, outstanding goaltender, uh, proven. Uh, you know, he's uh, been great. You look at their decor, very, very good, uh, led by Scott Perunovic, Uh the, the Blues draft pick. You got Dylan Sandberg, the Jets pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Nick Wolf, who's been around for a while. That's just a really, you know, you got the dynamic guy like uh, Perunovich small shifty creates offense like uh you know no blue liner in the league uh samberg's more of the shutdown d uh just a a really good group uh up front they're not super offensive they they have a few guys who i think can generate but when you look at them they're just not super deep now that being said that was the case the last two years too Mm. so they overcame it. They won a lot of one-goal games. Look at their NCAA tournament. They they won a lot of overtime games, one-goal games, but they have not they have not won the league championship uh, regular season in you know since 1993. So uh, in the postseason, it can be a crapshoot. Uh, you know, if you don't have tons of offense. You rely on uh, the formula that they took the last two three years. Um, but you also leave yourself open to you get a bad bounce or two or there and that's it, right? You know, the other team scores a couple and all of a sudden you can't catch up. So uh, offense is my question mark for Minnesota Duluth and that's why I didn't have them uh, number one overall entering the year.
0: Yeah, when you look at the uh, the drafted players on the team uh, just among the forwards, there's four guys, but they're not, you know, second or third round picks. Noah Cates, the highest drafted guy. Uh, and I, I think it's fair to say he's going to put up some numbers this year, but I mean, he's a fifth yeah. round pick too. So he's not, you know, at that upper high end, uh, caliber of uh, players. I mean, you look at the back end and you mentioned Sandberg and Perunovic. They're both second round picks. So just the, the difference yeah. in, in caliber there with guys. So if, if Duluth isn't your number one team in the nation, are they your number one team in the conference?
2: You know, I actually, uh, picked Western Michigan to win the league and, and this was a little bit of a, uh, I'm going to be different type of pick. <laughs> I, I'm still kind of trying to talk myself into it. <laughs> uh, and and the, the reason being is uh, I think Western Michigan, uh, you know, unquestionably has the best uh, offensive team in the league. Uh, you know, you look at their forwards and they're so deep up front. And, and they not only are they deep, they've got the high end. They've got the Hugh Magings. Uh You know, Hugh McGing could have signed with St. Louis. He decided to come back. Wade Allison could have signed with Gilly. He decided to come back. Uh, you've got some guys who I think are going to emerge as those free agent guys that NHL teams are interested in, like in Austin Ruchov, who's six seven and has some skill. You got Josh Passel, who's you know excelled at every level, um, and, and you just go up and down their lineup, and I, you know you start getting into their seventh, eighth, ninth forwards, and you're like, wow. Like, this team is really, really deep. And then on the backhand they've got uh, Samuelson. Matthias Samuelson decided to come back instead of signing with the Sabres. He was uh, the first pick of the second round mm-hmm. the previous year. So I guess technically all future years, 32 overall is the first round pick once Seattle joins. Um, so he's a very good defenseman. And then they're bringing in Ronnie Adder from uh, the USHL. Scoring 30 goals in the USHL is super impressive. Scoring 30 goals as a defenseman in the USHL is ridiculous. So uh, he had a great season. You know, Cam Lee is a a good defenseman. And their big question is are they going to defend well enough and can they find a goalie? Mm -hmm. You know, I think uh, Brandon Bossi is going to end up being the guy this year, but. They have not found a consistent, reliable goaltender the last few years, and that's really hurt them. That's the question mark again this year.
0: With uh, going back to Wade Allison for a second, Canadian, so you know I'm an, mm-hmm. interested. He's a Flyers guy, so you know I'm doubly interested. Mm-hmm. This is a guy, I mean, the the uh, expectations for him have been pretty high since he joined the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, his last year in the USHL was fantastic, but injuries have been an issue for him the last two seasons. Yep. How important is it for him? just to stay healthy this year.
2: Well, that's the big deal. You know, he's really had, like you said, really had a tough go with injuries. When he's been healthy, he's been really good. He's he's one of those game-changing players. And, um, you know, last year they came here to Grand Forks and it was a tight game and Western got a power play and he got the puck in the circle and the goalie squared up against him and he just absolutely rocketed one into the corner of the net. And you're like, that's just a NHL shot right there not many guys can can make that shot that he just did and uh he, he has that elite ability it's uh a matter of um staying healthy and uh doing it on a, a daily basis
0: all right all right if you've got uh, uh, western michigan as the uh, the number one team does that make duluth number two or do you have someone in between there still
2: yeah you know so, so really i i think there are five teams that are super close okay um, I, I, don't think there's really like a big gap. Like if you say any of these five teams are going to win the league at the end of the year, I'll be like, you know, yeah, that sounds about right. like, I'm not surprised. Um, you know, so I've got Western Michigan, Duluth, Denver, uh, you know, I, I think they're in, in the top three too, and they've got some good skill. You know, Patterson had a great freshman year, Stapley, the Canadians draft pick. I think Patterson's a flames pick. Um, I'm trying to remember offhand now. Yeah, uh, deeply is a, a, a Habs pick, um, and those guys had some really good freshman uh, seasons. Uh, you know, they got Ian Mitchell back, which was huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of thought he was going to sign with Chicago. He decided to to come back for another year. Uh, you know, I, I thought a, a guy like Slava Demon had a pretty good year last year, and they were super young. They overachieved last year. Uh, the, the question I have for them is they got to the frozen four. They kept winning most of their games down the stretch. They were getting outplayed and finding a way to win when getting outplayed. And a large part of that was Philip Larson, that the goalie, freshman goalie. Uh, he signed with Detroit in the off season. Right. Now I think they have two really good goalies here um, and, and that they're going to be all right there. But if they're going to get, Outshot in outchance the way they were at the end of last year. It's not going to work, I don't think. However, I don't anticipate that happening. I think some of their young players are going to grow up, and uh, you know they're bringing in Bobby Brink, uh, you know, who had an outstanding year in the USHL, and uh, I think they're going to be able to dictate play more this year than they were last year.
0: All right, that's fair, and uh, they got a really good recruiting class uh, coming up for next season as well. A couple of guys from uh local products up here who are off uh, to and starts uh, who will be pioneers in the near future but not this season. Um all right and mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm guessing then uh, one of those other teams that you would have in in that mix near the uh, the top half of uh, of the conference a, a team like St. Cloud fair to say
2: St. Cloud, I I have them at fifth right now. Okay. I have North Dakota four and St. Cloud five.
0: All right. Well, let's start with North Dakota then and work our way down. Uh, Tell me about the the, the Fighting Hawks and and, uh, the standouts on that team uh, from your perspective. This is a team that's in your backyard.
2: Yeah. So last year, North Dakota uh, had an amazing knack for outshooting teams by double digits and losing. (laughs) it was, they would dominate games and somehow they just could not score. So if they can get a little more offense, I think they'll be good. And uh, it really starts with their decor. Uh, You have Colton Pullman. He's a senior. He decided to come back. I I think he's going to be a guy who all the NHL teams are trying to sign at the end of the year. Uh, Excellent defenseman. He could skates well, defends well. He can create offense. He can do it all. Uh, Another guy who is not really his name's not out there yet, but I think it's going to be as a free agent defenseman is Matt Kierstead. He had a quietly really, really good year last year. And I, I'm looking for him to take a big step this year and, and you know, kind of emerge as a guy everyone knows. Uh, you mentioned at the top, Jacob Bernard Docker, first round pick. Um, going out to fall practices, it looks like he's taken another step. Uh, he can, you know, really create offense. He can defend well. I, I think he's going to be a – a really, really good defenseman. And then you, you know, we're starting to get down there into their four, five, six. And you got guys like Gabe Bast and Johnny Taconic and, you know, Andrew Pesky's a senior, you know, senior. You've got all sorts of veteran demons. So I think it starts there. And then I think they're going to add a little bit more offense. Um, you've got Weston Mashad coming in as a graduate transfer. He's a senior. He graduated from Colorado College, which means you don't have to sit out a year if you transfer. Right. He was their top-line center last year. I think he's going to be a, a really good for North Dakota. And then, you know, you got guys like Jordan Kawaguchi, Grant Mismash, and, and, and a guy who I think is going to have a great year is Colin Adams. He's a Islanders draft pick, only had two goals last year, really struggled. Uh, he looks like he's turned a corner in the off season. And uh, some of the freshmen will chip in, too. you got Harrison Blaisdell, uh, the Winnipeg draft pick, and, and the guy who really has stood out so far is – uh, Shane Pinto, he was number thirty-two overall pick uh, of Ottawa this year.
0: The Senators and the uh, the Fighting Hawks uh, seem to have a, a nice little pipeline going right now. <laughs> as three Senator prospects uh, on the uh, the Fighting Hawks uh, roster? Uh, tell me about Gavin yeah. Hayne for a second. Uh, this is another Flyers pick, oh, yeah. but uh, I I think I mean he was a later round pick for them, and it, there wasn't a lot of production from him last year as a freshman. But I know sometimes the freshmen uh, have to kind of played further down the depth chart and stuff like that. Is is there something that he can – can he deliver more this year for North Dakota? Oh, absolutely.
2: So uh, he was quietly really, really good last year. He's another guy who's going to have a breakout year, I think. Um, so he played on the third line with Mark Senden and Cole Smith. Hmm. And that line absolutely dominated territorially and possession-wise. I mean, I, I want to say um, Hain wasn't on the ice for an even strength goal against until like February last year. Wow. It, it was just ridiculous. Um, so that line, and he was the most skilled of that group. And and he was an 18 year old freshman, really young guy, um, just uh, had a really good year. And he had mono for a while and that knocked him out for like a month. And that was a big setback, but uh, that line just, completely dominated the opponents and that ended up being their most productive line. Those three guys were one, two, three and plus minus uh, on the team in the year. Uh, and this year, it sounds like they're going to move Hayne up to a first or second line role and move someone else in on the sentence Smith line, just because he's ready for a bigger role and, and can produce more.
0: All right. What about Mike Keene's kid, Jackson Keene uh, played in 28 games last year, again, only six points, but uh, as a freshman, uh, sometimes again you're you're playing further down the depth chart than you would on some other programs. Uh, is this a guy who also might yeah. get more opportunity?
2: Well, I, I thought last year when he came in, uh, he ended up being more than they thought he was going to be. I, I'm pretty sure um, he didn't have a lot of points in junior at Penticton. Um, even before that at Sioux City, he didn't have a ton, and so you know I think you're looking at him being uh, in and out of the lineup guy and he ended up being kind of a Swiss army knife that they could use in so many different roles. You know, at times he killed penalties. He was on the power play. He could play top six at times. He could play bottom six. He was just one of those guys who could kind of do anything. And uh, you know, early this year, I I think he's a guy who is uh, working his way uh, into the lineup and he's also a guy who they're looking at uh, being on the power play. With with all the weapons they have, and he's a guy that didn't score a lot. That that says a lot of uh, some of his uh, different skills he can bring to the table.
0: All right, let's go to St. Cloud. That was the next team on your list, and uh, it's the mm-hmm. post Ryan Paling era now for for St. Cloud and some other uh, key players that they've lost too. But how big of a uh, step back might they take? So they lost
2: uh, just a ton yeah. uh, offensively. Like Robbie Jackson's gone, Ryan Paling's gone, Blake Lazat is gone. Uh, You know, a lot of times I I thought Blake Lazat was kind of the straw that stirred the drink for them last year. Uh, Just so good in so many areas. And sure enough, he makes the L.A. Kings opening night roster. So uh, he was a really good player. Um, They lose Jimmy Schultz, who was a Hobie Baker finalist, a defenseman. And so they just had massive losses. But that being said, uh, I, I think a lot of people are focusing on who they lost. But when I start filling in their lineup, I'm like, this is a really good team. They A lot of guys on like their third and fourth line were guys who were ready for a bigger role last year. Mm-hmm. And on other teams, they would have had a bigger role. So uh, for those guys to step into the first, second line roles, it's not going to be a problem. They they were ready for that last year. Uh, on the back end, yeah, they lost Jimmy Schultz and, and John Lazat, their top defensive pairing. But they got Jack Ashawn back and, and three other guys who played a ton of games for him last year. They have their goalie back. So, uh david horanix so uh, you know i think in that case yeah you can look at who they lost but also just look at their lineup they got a really good team coming back and if they contend for the regular season title i'm not going to be surprised
0: all right then uh, the least uh, three teams to get to uh, who's the next mm-hmm. one you want to touch on
2: the team i think is going to be really sneaky good this year is colorado college Okay. And, you know, they lost some of their top players last year, so I think everyone's going to forget about them. You know, Mashad transferred. I think they lost Bradley um, and, uh, you know, Trevor Gooch and a couple guys who were big players for them. But again, at the end of last year, they were pretty good. They went on the road first round and beat Western Michigan in a really tough place to play in the first round of the playoffs and got to the frozen faceoff. And I think everyone forgets. Their two best players weren't in the lineup. They were hurt. Nick Halloran missed the whole second half of last season, and he was playing injured in the first half of the season. Well, Nick Halloran's back, and he had a great year the year before. Uh, One of the you know he was a first team all conference pick. Mm -hmm. And then Chris Wilkie, who was having you know a point a game year for CC, he went down with an injury and was out for the year. And so you add Halloran and Wilkie you know, their decor is getting older. Uh, yeah, they lost Alec Leclerc and nets, but they, you know, bring in a senior grad transfer, uh, in Ryan Ruck from Northeastern. Uh, they have Mike Vernon's kid coming in as a freshman goalie. I, I believe he was the North American hockey league playoff MVP last year. Mm. So, um they, they have some guys with pedigree coming in. I just think that's a team that's going to be really sneaky good. No one's talking about them. Uh, I have them in my top 20.
0: Interesting. All right, well, we'll watch for the Tigers this year. And uh, that leaves Nebraska and Miami. And uh, who isn't the worst team in the uh, the conference this year for you?
2: Uh, I have Omaha next. To, uh, they they had a couple seniors that had really important years for them and I think that's uh, those are some tough losses. And I also look at the teams above them, and I'm trying to figure out who they're going to finish ahead of, and I couldn't. Hmm. Um, you know, they have some interesting pieces. I, I think a guy like uh, Tyler Weiss from the NTDP was a really good pickup for them last year. First half, a little bit quiet. Uh, he got hurt and missed like the first month and a half until Christmas, didn't do a ton. In the second half, he was really good. And so the point totals don't look huge, but if you break it down into the second half, you're like, wow, he had a really good second half. And if he can carry that over, he'll be a good offensive producer for them. I think they've got some defensemen, uh, you know, a Dean Stewart, uh, who's going to have a pretty good year. And then the one X factor is Omaha has not been able to find consistent goaltending for years.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and now all of a sudden they bring in Isaiah Seville, who is one of their highest touted goalies they've brought in there, probably outside of uh, Anthony Stolarz and Dan Ellis. He's probably there is you know right up there in that group, and so I, I think there's a chance that he could be finally a guy that they settle on in goal. Uh, the question is, are they going to have enough offense to get by one of those six teams above them? I don't know. I, I think they're going to be solid, but I just can't see who they're going to finish ahead of.
0: I was surprised Matty Tomac left because you know he he'd been with North Dakota a couple of years, could never get into the yep. lineup, uh, yeah. and went back to the USHL for a year to to wait until he, he could get into Nebraska. Only played five games there last year, so I think he only had one year of el- eligibility left. But it seemed like this was the year where he'd be the guy, and then he goes uh, back home. I was surprised by that.
2: Yeah, you know i I, I don't know. C- can he beat out Seville? I I don't know. Uh, he he had really struggled when he was in there. So uh, maybe going back home and uh, getting a familiar uh, set of circumstances will help him out. But uh, it, it, had he still been there, I would still be projecting Isaiah Seville to be the starting starter this year.
0: All right, fair enough. Uh, that leaves the Miami Redhawks and uh, a bit of a team in transition. New head coach there mm-hmm. as well this year in uh, Chris Bergeron. Uh, are you expecting this is kind of a uh, somewhat of a rebuilding year?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they, they finished at the bottom last year or near the bottom. I'm trying to remember the exact standings now offhand. But, um, you know, and they lost uh, their best player. Josh Melnick was a, a centerman who kind of did everything for them. That's a huge loss. Uh, they lost Grant Hutton on the blue line. He was their best defenseman. That's a huge loss for them. Uh, you know, the, you look up and down their lineup and that, you know, I just don't see, uh, who they're better than in the league right now. They have a couple interesting pieces, Derek Dashkey on defense. He's a free agent. I think he's a guy who teams are going to look at down the line. He had a great freshman year. Um, the other guy to, to watch is Matt Barry. He's not eligible until the second half of the year he, was, he played at Youngstown, the year Youngstown made the run to the Clark Cup final. And he was by far and away their best player. He was committed to Holy Cross at the time. Um, and, you know, I mean, he was so good in the USHL playoffs. I, I, you know, nothing against Holy Cross, but I was surprised he wasn't going to a, a bigger name school. Hmm. Uh, and he goes to Holy Cross. He was there for one semester and decided it's not for him. So that's why, you know, he has to sit out one year for transfer. He'll be eligible in January, but he's a guy who really has scored a lot in his career. And I, I think he's going to be a big time player for Miami. Uh, so they have some intriguing pieces. Is it going to be enough? I don't know. You know, they lost Gruden in the offseason too, that, you know, he didn't have a lot of points last year, but that hurts. Uh, you know, the other guys who I think will produce a little bit for them are uh, Karch Bachman and Gordy Green two very fast forwards. Again, I, I, I like some of their high-end guys. I don't know if they have the depth, though. Uh,
0: when you look outside of the NCHC, and I, I know we're not going to go in-depth on uh, everybody else around, but um, are, mm-hmm. are there three or four programs that you're expecting big things from?
2: Well, number one, I uh, like I said, I have Minnesota State, Mankato, and my number one team. Right. And the reason why is last year uh, I looked at their roster and said this team is a year away they're they have like no seniors if they can keep their guys around they have some guys who could turn pro if they can keep their guys around next year's the year well last year they went and got a number one seed in the NCAA tournament which is super impressive and that was not their year so if you can get a number one seed in your quote-unquote sort of rebuild year um what are you going to do when it is your year and I think this is their year they they're their top line with Michaelis and Toomey is really, really good. Um, you know, you've got uh, some depth there. They bring in Nathan Smith, the Jets draft pick, uh, who played in the USHL, uh, should add some more offense. You know, you got Connor Mackey uh, leading a, a veteran D-Core. Their goalies back. Uh, I just think that's a team that's going to win a lot of games in, in a WCHA where uh, there aren't a ton of contenders. So that's one team that stands out. And then uh, last year, UMass was the team that kind of, came out of nowhere a little bit yeah. Um, and and no one had them high in the preseason pool. But when you looked at their roster before the season, it shouldn't have been that surprising. Uh, Their decor, you know, they got Kale McCarr, they got uh, Ferraro, Del Geisel, Farmer. They had a good couple goaltenders. You look up and down their last year and you're like, we, you know, at the end of the season, you're like, you know what? We shouldn't have been surprised. Like you should have been able to see this coming. Right. And that team this year is Wisconsin. Um, a, they have the this really high end recruiting class. Alex turcott was the number five pick by the Kings this year. Cole Caulfield scored a million goals in the U.S. or i And I'm pretty sure he broke the records of, you know, Patrick Kane and Austin Matthews. So yeah. that's saying a little bit there. <laughs> Um, you know, so he comes in, you've got Dylan Holloway from the AJHL and Holloway is going to be a first rounder next year. Um, I think I'm forgetting another high end guy they've got coming into, but, um, they've got some guys coming back. And the big key for me, is, you know, the one comparison people are going to make is BU. BU had all these first round picks right. and they really had a tough time making hay with them and getting over the hump because they were so young. The difference to me is Wisconsin's blue line is growing up and getting older. All of a sudden, Ke'Andre Miller's a sophomore coming back. Wyatt Kalnuck is a junior. emerson uh, has got another year under his belt. Um, inamoto has got another, you know, they aren't freshmen anymore back there. And I think that is the big key to Wisconsin. It's, yeah, they have all these high-end guys that are going to score a ton of goals, but the big key is that their back end is finally getting older, and you need that in college hockey.
0: Excellent, Brad. As always, really appreciate you making the time for the Pipeline Show. Looking forward to uh, another great season in the NCHC, NCHC NCHC-TV for uh, fans who uh, can't get to the games in person. Great way to watch those games online. Uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, look forward to having you on again.
2: Again, for sure. We'll chat soon.
0: There is Brad Elliott Schlossman. Thanks for uh, coming on the show, Brad. I appreciate your time as always. And uh, great rundown and setup of the NCHC conference for this year. And it could be uh, a really, there could be a lot of parody, especially at the top. You know, if it, it isn't UMD at the top, and uh, yeah, I mean, he's got. Western Michigan really high, and North Dakota always competitive. St. Cloud State up there as well. I like this description of Colorado College being sneaky good this year. Should be some great hockey in uh, the NCHC, as there usually is. Watch all those games on NCHC TV. Really nice package that uh, they've put together, again, for uh, watching those games online, which is really handy for a guy like me that's way far away uh, from the NCHC and, and where they're playing. Uh, and also for a lot of the families that have players who are on those teams. We go from a college hockey preview to uh, the first 2020 Draft Spotlight segment of uh, Season 15 here on The Pipeline Show. It's a guy currently leading the Ontario Hockey League in scoring, Quentin Byfield of the Sudbury Wolves. You can hear from him next here on The Pipeline Show. After to see you on the one-timer fired it off the end boards. Here's Ekblad again, takes the shot, scores a four-goal night for Aaron Ekblad.
4: Hi, it's Aaron Ekblad from the Barry Colts, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
5: There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time.
0: John turkey is a little over the line, my man. We are back on the Pipeline Show with Keith Fleming, and we're going to flick on the 2020 draft spotlight for the first time this season. And uh we're going to do it for the first time, we might as well get a guy who's going to get chosen uh, fairly high in the 2020 NHL draft. And uh, that means we're heading out to the Sudbury Wolves, Sudbury, Ontario, in the OHL. And Quinton Byfield is my guest. Uh, Quinton, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, uh, but I'm not, uh, you know, off to a hot start like you are right now. Yeah. And uh, maybe we'll just start with that and just how different this yeah. year feels compared to last year. I know you had a really strong season last year, but boy, you're more than two points per game uh, out of the blocks this year.
4: Yeah, uh, well, I think like, with year two, year one under the belt, you kind of just get a lot more confidence to your game. Um, I find that uh, lately, me and my line mate Murray and Belinka, we've been playing really well together. We really found chemistry there, I think. So I think that's really contributing to my success. And then I think we're just playing good hockey as a team as well. And everything's just going our way right now.
0: I know you're you're big. I mean, you're six four and closing in on two hundred or something like that, right? How, are those numbers yeah. up to
4: date? Yeah, I know. I'm six uh, six four,
0: 6'4 Two fifteen. Holy cow! All right. So when I say hundred and 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 when I say like two hundred pounds, is that last year's numbers? I mean, have you grown that much uh, since the start of last year?
4: Uh, I think over the summer I've. Training like Gary Roberts, there, you know, nutrition's really important to. I think that put a couple more pounds on me
0: during the summer. So yeah, Gary uh, Roberts, that'll do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess I'm I'm assuming you're feeling that on the ice too. I mean, you are you're more than pro size. I mean, you're uh, you're above average pro size already, and you're playing you know against uh, a lot of 16-, 17-, 18 year olds. So physically, you have that advantage.
4: Yeah, definitely. You know, I feel like. Uh, I might be stronger than most of the guys out there now. Um, especially that, as I said, just that year one, I'm in the belt last year, there's a couple of guys bigger than me. I kind of got pushed around. I just wanted to get bigger and stronger in the summer. That was my focus this summer. And that's what I think I did. And I came in here. Uh, put on a couple more pounds, feel a lot stronger out there. And yeah, I think that's contributing to my success as well.
0: Quinton Byfield of the Sudbury Wolves, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. And, uh, in this part of the program, Quinton, we like to introduce the, my audience to somebody that's in your position being that it's your NHL draft season, and not everybody that's hearing this will be uh, avid followers of the OHL, so some people might not recognize the name Quentin Byfield. So if you don't mind, let's get a little bit of background. Uh, where are you from?
4: I'm from uh, Newmarket, Ontario. My parents, my dad, Quentin uh, Byfield, he's from Jamaica. Um, and then my mom, Nicole Casper, she's from Canada, but her, both her parents are from Germany.
0: Okay, really interesting uh, combination there of nationalities, for sure. Yeah, uh, how old were you when you first started playing? Do you remember? Um, I think
4: my mom took me out when I was just a skate when I was around two, just going on to two. Um, That's why I really started learning to love the game. I started becoming <laughs> okay scared back then. And I think I really got into the game around four, just playing House League Timber hockey down in Georgina
0: okay do you have uh, siblings
4: uh, one sister um, she's 99 turned 20 on June 24th and she goes to guelph University
0: okay did now did she play uh, any sports or you know specifically hockey
4: uh no she actually we, we used to be a pretty big soccer family um I used to play rap soccer as well and that's what my sister really pretty good at it until she hurt her knee and then she had to get surgery on that so i kind of put her out of it but she was a big soccer player
0: and you were too you said
4: yeah i was i was not too bad you know i played striker in my fair amount of goals
0: so whether it's hockey or soccer you used to put the uh the uh, hitting the target and uh, and putting up points for your team um uh, when did you uh oh, yeah. when did you kind of give soccer up
4: um i sort of keep soccer up probably uh, I would say four or five years ago now, you know, I had to really start focusing on hockey, but mm-hmm. I think playing a lot of other sports really helped me become like a complete athlete um, that I am today and that really helped me own hockey.
0: I'm glad to hear you say that because I think there's there's somewhat of a debate in regards to that uh, going on these days. Yeah. Some people say, well, let's, uh, you know, focus in on one sport and, and try to be uh, awesome at it. And other people like you say, no, you play a lot of sports and it helps you become better at that one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
4: General, no, that's why. That's what I think definitely. Uh, as I said, I just I think that really helped me um, sort of get my hand high with like baseball, uh, my speed, quickness when I play like football, and then like power, I guess. On uh, just playing soccer and on like because those games are really long, so mm-hmm. I really get your answers. I think that just really contributed to playing hockey.
0: Well, and hockey's worked out pretty well for you. The first player taken in the 2018 OHL Priority Selection uh, by the Sudbury Wolves and. Uh, i'm out west here so we uh, the whl address 15 year olds and then you have to wait a year before you can actually play in the OHL, it's different you're 16 when you're drafted and you can step right in uh, the next year so you didn't have to wait all that long um tell take me back to uh, the draft day and and uh, when you see yourself being chosen first overall uh what's the the feeling there what's the emotion like when you see your name uh, being uh, the first guy taken.
4: No, it's, it's definitely like a really good feeling. You know, I was with my family, uh, my mom, dad, sister, Oma, they're all there with me. So that definitely made the day a lot better as well. You know, it's probably the best day of my life so far. But um, I've been dreaming of that moment, working towards that my whole life, basically. And just getting that praise of going number one there um, definitely knows that like you're on the right path.
0: 29 goals last year, 61 assists in 64 games. So, uh, I was going to ask you, you know, if, if you felt a lot of pressure to, to be a, uh, a dominating player or an impact player as a rookie, if you felt any pressure, it didn't show up in your stats because you had a really strong season. But what was it, what's it like being a first overall pick and having the, the weight of expectation from the fans and, and probably the organization on you as well?
4: Uh, you know, I kind of try not to think about it too much. You know, the fans here, us, they showed me a lot of support. Uh, our team lost support. You know, we had a pretty good season last year. We made a big steps. So I think they didn't really put too much pressure on me. And I don't know if they put as much pressure on me as they did to Uka. You know, that guy was unbelievable for us. So yeah. I think uh, he really took some of that pressure off my shoulders. But and allow me to kind of just play my game. and I really just got really comfortable down here with all the boys and everything. I think off the ice, that chemistry really contributed to our on the ice. You know, we're a really tight group of guys. And uh, I think we're all comfortable with each other off the ice. So on the ice, it was just everything was just clicking really.
0: What's the outlook for the team this year, in your opinion? How far can you guys go?
4: Uh, you know, I think uh, everyone, we had a young group last year. You know, all of our guys were kind of the younger guys, the core. And I think with that extra year, um under all all our belts you know like me thompson phillips robinson a couple of the other of the guys you know even the older guys moving on just another year under the belt everyone gets bigger and stronger and uh i think we're looking pretty good as well you know we go off to a and 2 start it was a bit rough but then you know i think everything started clicking um we've won three straight we put three wins together, and I think uh, that can definitely continue through the season. We can make a fire run
0: here. Quentin Byfield, my guest, he's got 12 points in five games to uh, start the season, and uh, that is uh, tops in the OHL as we're speaking right now. I know there's some teams that are uh, playing uh, here before this uh, This will air. There's six teams in action uh, tonight. But uh, who have your linemates been for the most part this year, or has that changed at all?
4: Um, you know, I've been... As of late, I've been playing with, uh, as I said, Shane Belinda and Blake Murray. You know, Blake Murray, he was drafted to Carolina this year in the sixth round. I think um, he he went to the camps, the main camp as well, and I think he really brought back a lot of confidence from that. You know, he had a really successful camp, and uh, he's been playing very well as of late as well. You know, he he's my right winger there. He knows how to finish, and that I think he has. 30 something goals last year, and this year he's off to a pretty good start as well with eight points. And then Shane Malenka, he's one of the older guys. He's an OA this year. He's one of our captains. Uh, he's definitely a mature player out there on the ice. Uh, he's always in the right spot knowing where to go. And we just have a pretty solid line together there.
0: And for you, this year, six goals, six points. Last year, your points were pretty much evenly split between goals and assists as well. Do you see yourself more as a, a puck distributor or are you a shooter yourself?
4: Uh, I'm definitely more of a passer, you know. And As I said, when I'm playing with Blake Murray, you know, I know if I pass to that guy, he's putting it in the back of the net. So right. I think I'm more of a passer, but I kind of just see how the game goes as well. If I have the shot, I'll definitely take it, but I mainly look for the pass.
0: How many times are you told, uh, you know, if you could just be a little bit more selfish because you can score too?
4: Yeah, no, I get told that a lot, you know. There's yeah. a couple of plays where I try to overpass the puck, uh, just on like two-on-ones or three-on-twos. I should be shooting it, just shoot for a rebound, because sometimes you don't get a shot out of it. So definitely could be a bit more selfish, but I think my teammates as, as well.
0: Now the season for you started back in August with the Helenka Gretzky Cup. You got to go overseas and represent Canada, and I imagine that was a a a, a fun experience for you. And the, the tournament well went well for you on a personal level and for the team. Um, did that give you a, a nice kickstart, uh, you know, a head start for the start of this season? Yeah, I think
4: it definitely did because um, uh, we started kind of started a year like uh, I mean a month earlier than everyone else got into the flow of things already um, we we're playing all the top players around the world our age it was good to see the competition that we we're up against all of us and I think we really had a pretty successful tournament um, it definitely hurts to lose in the gold medal game but that's just something you can push for next time
0: how much are you thinking about the NHL draft already? I know it's a it's a long ways away, but the spotlight's going to be on you all season.
4: Yeah, no, I try not to think about it too much. Not don't really look at the media. I try to put that away, but uh, I'm definitely there. But I just, I, just, I just try to put it away.
0: Well, teammates being teammates, I'm sure they're telling you where you know who where Bob McKenzie has you ranked, or where Craig Button has you ranked, or whichever scouting services out there. Um, so I, I imagine they tell you and keep you up to date.
4: Yeah. Ah, yeah, no, they get my ear bit, but it's all fun game. You know, we just definitely have a lot of fun out there, but I just try to play the game on the ice and see how things go.
0: Does it matter to you if you're the first player taken or the fifth player taken or you're top ten or you're outside of the top ten? Does it matter? I mean, at this point, there's no pressure. There's no question in regards to if you're going to get drafted. It's just a matter of when. Does it matter to you where in that first round you go?
4: I don't think so. I know all the teams have... Good organizations there. Um, it's not what you do at the draft or before the draft. So what you do afterwards, you know, um, you can be like a late round pick and just have a really good successful career after that as well. You can be a first rounder and not do as well. So it's what you do with the opportunity you get, and I think that's important.
0: Just a couple more questions for you, Quinton. I appreciate your time. Uh, you, you, you uh, we've established you're big and strong already. Most guys, they would say, you know, what do you have to do to get ready for the next level, and they'd say, get bigger and stronger. You've already checked both of those boxes off. So, what's left to do for you? How what what, what are you focusing in on here in the rest of your time in the OHL?
4: Uh, I think I'll definitely focus on my defensive game. You know, um, last year I made a big step towards that. Uh, I came in just strictly offensive player, I think, and then last year I got a lot of help from my coaches. I um, played defensive, and that really turned me into a two-way player, kind of. And then uh, you never can be perfect in the season, so I want to keep continue that. Success back there, and hopefully I can come a really solid two-way forward at the next level.
0: Are you a guy who, who sets uh, statistical goals for yourself? Like, I want to get this many goals or this many points?
4: Um, I'm not too big on that. You know, I just try to see how the game goes, see how I'm feeling out there, and just really try to play my own game, and I think they'll all come to me.
0: Lastly, uh, you're an Ontario guy. Did you grow up uh, with the Leafs, your team, or maybe the Senators, or I I know Buffalo and and Detroit aren't that far away. Who who was your team as a kid?
4: Um, I think my first team as a kid was probably the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know. That's probably everyone's first team, just Crosby, Malkin, they got all the guys, but uh, my favorite player on that team was Sergei Gonchar, because I used to play defense um, when I was younger, and Ah. that's where, where I got my 55 number from as well, but after gone kind of left i started liking tampa Bay lightning i liked uh martin saint louis that's my second favorite of player all the time so uh yeah tampa is still my team now going forward
0: marty saint louis there is uh, almost nothing in common you have with marty saint louis <laughs> well, no. why do you uh why do you start liking him i mean there's lots to like about him but why in particular for you
4: uh, i think he never had it easy like come easy for him you know he's bounced around quite a bit beforehand before making his team the half bit lightning just to compete level he puts up you know he might be the biggest guy but he's always first in the in there getting, um the pop and then he's just great all around too you know he scored a lot of goals and set up Stamkos and Stamkos were a dynamic duo out there
0: great answer I really like that uh, Quinton listen I appreciate your time today uh, best luck the rest of the way this year and uh, hope we can chat again one day
4: alright thank you for having me on your podcast
0: Six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pound. Quinton Byfield, the first guest to uh, stop by in the twenty twenty draft spotlight segment uh, this year, season fifteen of the Pipeline Show. We do it all year long. Get to know some of the draft ed- eligible players more often than not. We'll have one of those uh, every week uh, on the show. As the draft gets closer and closer, sometimes that turns into two of them in a weekly episode. Sometimes, when you know, in that last month of June, when hockey's done playing and uh, guys are just getting ready for the draft, that might become three or four or an entire show of just draft spotlight segments. But we like to do it all throughout the year and not just in the uh, weeks leading up to the NHL draft. So last year, I think I totaled it up. It was about 75 draft-eligible players that we had on the show over the course of the year. And uh, Quentin Byfield, the first of many to come this year. Next week, already know, Seth Jarvis of the Portland Winterhawks. Will be on the show as uh, one of the highest rated WHLers for the 2020 draft. If you have requests, there's, I mean, obviously, you look at everybody in the top two rounds, basically, and that's the checklist of guys I would like to get on the show. Sometimes it's limited. uh, If there's, uh, you know, English as a second language uh, guest, they're hard to do over the phone, they're easier to do in person. Uh, Vlad Koliachanek comes to mind last year, did that with him in Red Deer at the top prospect game, rather than trying to do it over the phone. Uh, And it's very similar sometimes with uh, some of the uh, French-speaking players out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League as well. Um, So sometimes we don't get those guys on, but for the most part, there's a player you want to hear from, let me know, and uh, I'll do my best to set that up. One segment left to go on the Pipeline Show. It'll be a uh, WHL-focused segment as uh, Perry Bergson from the Brandon Sun. He's my guest. It'll be an In the Dub segment for dubnetwork.ca. We're going to look at the Brandon Weekings and the Winnipeg Ice as uh, Perry is in Brandon. And he can speak uh, on both teams at the moment because he's seen the ice uh, three or four times already through preseason and into the regular season. So we'll get an update on the newest rivalry in the WHL. That's next here on The Pipeline Show.
1: Now,
3: near
2: side White, far side Krebs, wrist shot scores! Peyton Krebs, a wrist shot from the far side, and gets by Bailey
3: Birkin. Hey, Peyton Krebs from the Kootenai, and this is The Pipeline Show. The pucks dropped on another WHL hockey season.
1: This Saturday, your Edmonton Oil Kings go toe-to-toe with the Calgary Hitmen at Rogers Place.
3: Don't miss your chance to see your Oil Kings live.
1: Are you ready to rally for the next Battle of Alberta? Oil Kings, Hitmen. Saturday night at 7. Great family entertainment at Rogers Place starts at just $20 a seat. Save on day of game pricing now at oilkings.ca.
3: You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
1: Nobody
0: makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody. We're back on The Pipeline Show, final segment of this week's episode, and uh, we're going to stick in the WHL, so that means it's an In the Dub segment, dubnetwork.ca, for all things uh, WHL. Stay up to date on uh, all the moves. There's been a rash of trades and uh, guys coming back to the league and everything happening. Uh, You can stay up to date at dubnetwork.ca and my guest today doesn't uh, write for dub network he writes for the Brandon and son, and that means perry bergson back on the pipeline show perry welcome back how are you
1: well thanks it's uh, great to be back i think uh, the first time i was on the memorial cup was in red deer
0: that could be. That's right. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a few years ago. That's not the last time I had you on though, is it? I've no, had you on. No. Yeah. Okay. but You,
1: you and I sat together and watched some hockey games. That yeah. was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, all right. Well, we've been watching some hockey games, uh, separately, but this year, but, uh, WHL action back underway for, uh, for a new season and the, uh, the Brandon Weekings are, uh, off to, uh, well, how would you describe the start so far for for Brandon? As you and I are speaking, they're one and three out of the gate.
1: I think underwhelming maybe is the word I would use. Uh, I think the expectations were a lot higher this year. You bring in a veteran coach in Dave Lowry, And uh, as you know, you've watched hockey for a lot of years. Your players have to be better every year. You, you can't ever be static. You have to improve or you're going to get caught from behind. And I think that's one of the issues that Brandon has had in the last couple seasons is, that guys are just not getting better each year.
0: Well, I know one of the things with whenever a team has a new coach, I'm always curious to see which way it's going to go. Do they get off to a hot start, or did they get off to a slow start? And it seems like you know it takes a little while sometimes for player and new team to to get on the same page. Do you think that has anything to do with it uh, here with Brandon this year?
1: Absolutely, I do. I think that this team, you know, when it went from Kelly McCrimmon to David Anning, it was the same systems. Dave Lowry brings in different systems, and I'll tell you one thing I've noticed in practices that he's a very, very patient teacher. And I can't say that I expected that to the degree that it's happening. He, you know, he hasn't been a yeller in practice. Instead, he just stops things, calmly explains to guys what he needs from them, and is showing them little little tricks and tips. So it's been interesting. Just standing on the bench taking pictures, I've learned a lot. Uh, just standing there, eavesdropping.
0: Who have been the bright spots uh, thus far in the early season for the Wheaties?
1: Well, I think Luca Burzan was somebody that uh, there were high hopes for this year, and of course he's got three goals and two assists through the first four games this year. He is one of those pieces that came over in the Kale Clegg deal, mm-hmm. um, along with Chase Archie and those two first round picks and the and the second rounder uh, in the eighteen draft. Luca's just continued to get better and better, and I think one of the things that we had to see this year that was uncertain was how much of his 40 goal success last year was predicated on playing with Stelio Mateos, who of course, you know, was an outstanding Western Hockey League player, has now moved on to the AHL. But, uh, Burzan certainly has shown this year in the early going that he can create for himself. And this weekend it looks like he'll be skating with Ben McCartney and Ridley Gregg, who are just returning back from suspensions. Uh, both of them. McCartney got the one gamer, Greg got the three gamer. 21 seconds into the season, which isn't quite the start maybe he was looking for. But uh, that should be a pretty dynamic uh, top line for Brandon.
0: I couldn't believe that on opening night. I was looking at the box scores as things were unfolding. And, oh, 21 seconds, we have our first major of the year. And then a three-game suspension. So while the Wheat Kings have played four games, Ridley Gregs played 21 seconds.
1: Exactly. And you know he's going to be their top-line center this year, even at 17 in his draft here. Uh, so a lot is expected of him. I talked to him after practice today. He's pretty excited to finally start playing because it's like his preseason was extended another two weeks.
0: Well, tell me about Ridley Gregg as a player. As you mentioned, it's his NHL draft year. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He listed at 5'11 and, and just 160 pounds, but, you know, 14 goals and 35 points last year as a rookie. Not too bad. Uh, what's expected of him this year? You, you, as you mentioned, He's expected to be on the top line, so I would assume that there's expectations he could maybe even double his production from last year.
1: I think the things that we hear about most when they're drafting young players is vision and hockey IQ, and then skill, obviously. Uh, Speed certainly doesn't hurt, and Ridley Gregg brings all of those. Uh, I was impressed with him as a 16-year-old. Quite often, even really good players get lost a little bit in the league, you probably agree. And he never really did. He he found his way really quickly. And I think that this year he's probably not out of his depth playing that first-line role Mm -hmm. with some scores on his two wings in McCartney and Burz. And I think that he's one of those guys that might surprise this year because as that uh, hit on his former teammate Harchie in the opener shows, he's got a lot of sandpaper to his game, too, for a guy who, as you noted, doesn't have a huge frame.
0: Uh, his dad, a Philadelphia Flyers scout, so he's uh, been around uh, the hockey world for a long time uh, as well. Uh, uh, another guy draft eligible this year, Braden Schneider, who is a big defenseman, and and I, I think at early accounts and early uh, uh, rankings would have him pegged as a first rounder. So expectations once again pretty high for him.
1: Yeah, he's one of those interesting cases in that he's a late birthday, so he's actually in his third season in the league. He's just a big, solid defenseman. When I was uh, growing up and then playing rec hockey later, I was a goalie. So I loved a guy like Braden Schneider in front of me, just because he he does bring that uh, physicality. uh, But he makes a good first pass. He can score a little bit uh, from the point. I think he's probably going to see a little more power play time this year than he has in the past. You know, six two two ten. he just turned 18, big, solid frame, uh, really competitive player. Uh, they actually traded up to get him, uh, I think in the 2016 draft, right ahead of where Prince Albert was probably going to take the hometown boy. And he has certainly been everything that Brandon hoped for.
0: Well, this weekend the Week Kings are uh, at home to uh, Vancouver on Friday and uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings uh, on uh, the next night. Um, So they got some teams that are uh, fairly well-ranked this year, and and things are expected of both of those clubs as well. I think Brandon kind of looks at this weekend as somewhat of a measuring stick.
1: Absolutely. And then, you know, you have the third game where you're going into Saskatoon on Sunday afternoon. So those are three very, very good hockey teams. Brandon plays two three-and-threes this weekend. And boy, oh boy, what a measuring stick weekend it really is. And Dave Lowry said that earlier. You know, he talked about how Brandon missed the playoffs last year, and Vancouver was... In the league final, uh, you know, obviously Edmonton makes the Eastern Conference final, uh, plays very, very well. Uh, Saskatoon, even, you know, if they get Kirby Dock back, look out. I still think that's a very, very good team, and I expect that they're going to be in the hunt in the uh, Eastern Conference by the end of the season too. Um, so those are three games that, wow, like, you know, if you lose all three, suddenly you're one and six. And things aren't looking too good, so you want to at least win one or two of those if you're Brandon, I would think.
0: Barry Bergson from the Brandon Sun is my guest here on the Pipeline Show in our In the Dub segment. Uh, Now, the Wheat Kings no longer the only team in Manitoba, as uh, the Kootenai Ice have relocated to Winnipeg. And In case, for those listeners who might have been uh, living under a rock or something and are just coming uh, to uh, to recognize that move, um, I wonder... What's been the reaction in Winnipeg? And I know you're not there all the time, but you've seen the the uh, the Winnipeg Ice uh, three or four times already uh, through preseason and into the regular season. Uh, what sort of an impression are you getting on uh, what's happened there?
1: You know, I I think there's some early excitement in Winnipeg. I think long term, maybe once they get their own new building built uh, in the southwest corner of Winnipeg, maybe things are are really going to start to happen there. I don't really have a firm sense of the Winnipeg hockey market. You always wonder in an NHL market, especially when there's an AHL team too, mm-hmm. you know, is it a Winnipeg Jets market or is it a hockey market? I guess we're gonna see that pretty quickly. But I would hate to think that Winnipeg fans are missing out on this Winnipeg Ice team because they are a hoot. They have all kinds of offensive talent up front. They can fill the puck or fill the net with goals. Michael Tepley already seven points, four goals, five games. You know, Kinder, five games, three goals. They have a lot of really high-end players. Even Carson Lambos coming in his rookie season is a point a game player as a 16-year-old D-man,
0: which is remarkable. Yeah, that's pretty impressive for sure. And uh, I guess obviously there'll be a lot of attention on Matthew Savoy. And he's uh, two games in, no points yet, but doesn't mean that he's necessarily played poorly. Have you had a chance to watch him?
1: Yeah, I saw him in Brandon, and I saw him in Portage La Prairie in one of the preseason games, and he really is quite a player. Um, you probably got a chance to watch him in the Edmonton area. I had never seen him before. I just heard about him. Just the understanding of the game and the acceleration, uh, the speed, the vision, uh, you know, he seems to have it all. Now, I guess we'll we'll see as the season develops how many games he's actually going to play. You know, there were reports that uh, I'd heard that he was going to play up to 50, uh, up to 30, who knows. Uh, it's interesting that uh, a young player can can get that many games in the league. The last one I could think of is Kirby Doc, but his midget team was eliminated very very early, so he ended up in Saskatoon.
0: And even that, I mean, he played 18 games, right? I mean, that's a far cry from 30 or 40 or 45-50. That they're talking about with Savoy, I, are you hearing anything like uh, other other teams and how they've responded to this? I mean, this is kind of trailblazing almost for the WHL.
1: It is, especially you know, if that uh, you know special status that he was looking for wasn't granted by Hockey Canada, I don't know how this backdoor is working, mm-hmm. particularly. Um, it's going to be interesting. I'm hoping to talk to Ron Robinson here before too terribly long, and I'm going to ask him that question directly, like, you know, how does this happen?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. And, uh, you mentioned, uh, go back a couple of minutes ago to what you were talking about with the market in Winnipeg and an NHL market now, and, uh, with that AHL team there as well. Lots of competition for the, the hockey, uh, fans, uh, wallet. And I can tell you from here in Edmonton, it is definitely an NHL, uh, town. I'm not sure if it's. It, I think it's that way in Calgary as well. I know the Flames are uh, pretty popular, and the the Hitman, the Hitman and the Oil Kings both draw a lot of fans in comparison to the rest of the uh, the WHL and heck, the CHL for that matter. But you're still playing in front of seven or eight thousand uh, on a good night, uh, especially during the week. I mean, if you can get seven thousand on a on a Wednesday in Edmonton to watch the Oil Kings, you're pretty happy with that. Um that's not going to be an issue right now in Winnipeg because that building holds what about 1300
1: 13 or 16 or something with standing room so yeah they they probably should sell you know the vast majority of their tickets early on when they they move into more of a junior sized building later right it's going to be interesting because you know beyond Winnipeg also having the Moose the AHL club you got the U of M Bison's playing U sports that's wonderful hockey yep. um you've got the MJHL team you got three midget or sorry u18 boys teams 2 u18 girls teams at the AAA level uh that's a lot of uh competition for the hockey dollar
0: uh, goaltending for for both brandon and for winnipeg is there a bit of question marks uh right now or i mean are, i guess in brandon you for sure you know who the the starting goaltender is but still somewhat of a question mark with winnipeg isn't there i mean they've it wasn't that long ago they had like five guys listed on the roster.
1: They've had some guys come through there, haven't they, yeah. in Winnipeg and in Kootenay the last couple seasons. Uh, we saw Will Gursky here in the preseason. He was outstanding, I thought. Uh, Dean McM- McNabb has looked very good since they picked him up from Regina. You know, I'm not sure what the long-term plan is yet. Uh, Duncan McGovern, who was kind of the guy of the future at one point, was released so he's no longer in the picture and they got gage alexander another goalie there and uh, mcnab's played three of the five games and gursky and alexander have each played one so i i don't really have a strong sense of what's going on here uh in brandon uh yuri Patera, the the import 20 year old from the czech republic is the guy there's yep. just no discussion around that um and then you have some a couple of Alberta guys that were battling for the backup spot. Ethan Kruger was the backup last year. And then uh, Connor Unger from Calgary was uh, looking to maybe unseat him or maybe force a situation where they trade the older guy. But uh, he was sent back to the AJHL recently. So it's going to be Kruger and Patera, which was last year's two guys.
0: Lastly, that rivalry between the Brandon and Winnipeg, well, we saw it 21 seconds into Game 1 this year, but that should be a fun, growing rivalry between those two clubs, and it looks like it's off to a pretty good start.
1: Well, you play two preseason games, and then you have 10 regular season games too. That's a lot. Uh, you know, That's a dozen games between these clubs. It's almost like the American teams, how they play each other yeah. so much. And you know what? It started getting ugly pretty quick. They started uh, really embracing that rivalry. And you know what? It's probably real good for the province of Manitoba's hockey scene to have that second team. Uh, You know, uh, Everybody drafts everywhere now, so it's not like the old days where Kelly McCrimmon got all the Brandon and Manitoba kids. (laughs) That's gone anyway. But uh, you've got to think that with uh, Winnipeg here, they're going to be looking at the same Manitoba guys maybe for the later rounds that Brandon was in in past years. Well,
0: that's going to make for some fun hockey, that's for sure. Uh, Perry, as always, knocked it out of the park when you're on the show. I really appreciate you you making the time for the Pipeline Show. Look forward to uh, chatting again. Thanks a lot. That was Perry Bergson from the Brandon Sun on both the uh, Winnipeg Ice and those Brandon Wheat Kings. That wraps up this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. Uh, we can recap the uh, question of the day, just the the question if you go back to the first segment of the show today. Was uh, with the NCAA hockey season getting underway this weekend, can the University of Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, are they going to pull off the uh, ultra-rare three-peat as national champions? And uh, the no vote is still leading the way. About 75% have uh, predicted no, that the Bulldogs will not get it done. You can uh, chime in on that. At TPS underscore Gee is where you follow me on Twitter. Thanks again to everybody who has signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. Two bucks a month gets you early access to all these interviews that you've heard on this week's episode. Some other perks available as well, but uh, the two buck a month uh, option seems to be by far the most popular. We always look ahead to what's coming up next week on the show. I can tell you Seth Jarvis will be the player in the 2020 draft spotlight forward with the Portland Winterhawks. Uh, Outside of that, nothing concrete yet, but uh, with the rest of the NCAA schedule uh, starting up this weekend, we'll probably have one, maybe even two uh, conference previews uh, next week on the show, but we'll stay up to date on everything that's happening in uh, the Canadian Hockey League. We'll uh, maybe look at the USHL or the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and uh, we can recap all these uh, exhibition games between... The u sports clubs and their ncaa counterparts so lots we can talk about next week on the pipeline show so hey between now and then why don't you get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that you and i can talk about it next week here on the pipeline show until then my name is Keith Fleming. see ya